Hello, and welcome to another episode from the Global Startup Movement, where every week we bring you conversations, insights, and innovation highlights for emerging startup ecosystems all around the world. I'm your host, Andrew Berkowitz, and thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoy. Therein lies, again, like the danger in not holding our policymakers to a much higher standard. Just do a quick Google search and see how much time and effort certain politicians and policymakers spend trying to get the world to celebrate how forward-thinking they are before adopting drones relative to, say, the effort they put into sort of trying to groom innovation around, you know, the science and engineering to make roads better and last longer and cheaper to build. I mean, look, if you, if you just, from a pure numbers standpoint, look at Ethiopia's consistent GDP growth, if you look at the current interest right now in terms of the FDI flows into the country, it's hard to argue that they're, they're not doing something right. <laughs> yeah. My intuition and my sense really tells me that like this might be the most important decade that we've ever seen in our lifetime. Maybe, you know, in, in the course of modern history, this is how we implement these technologies that are now kind of hitting that hockey stick portion of the exponent curve, how we deal with some of the populism and some of the, the fracture of our institutions in the West, particularly that are, that are cracking now. Mm. Africa is in a position to really lead. And I think now more than ever, Africa needs its diaspora to come home to start businesses, to lead. And, you know, I think that what most African countries are missing right now are what the U.S. had in its early days, which made it develop in a, in a much faster way, which is economic strength and private sector influence that can provide friction to the government. And that friction is missing in, in a lot of African markets where you have these politically run businesses you have this kind of public sector that controls most of the economy. And you don't have, you know, like the U.S. had back in the day, you know, obviously there was, there was still corruption on our end back in the day, but you had the Rockefellers, the Carnegies, the Vanderbilts that were able to kind of create this friction with the government here. And, and in, in that friction is how regulation, proper regulation develops. It's how private markets develop. I can't argue the unfortunate realities of what happens when there isn't a sufficient separation in commercial interests and policymaking and institutional power. And it's obviously not an ideal dynamic for you to be essentially dealing with the same Politburo of individuals running everything. That's true, not just for African markets, but true for, for most Although, I mean, there are countries like Singapore and perhaps within Africa, like countries like Rwanda, where there's an interesting web of sort of state control in pretty much every facet of life that make it difficult to entirely argue that it's not possible to have a version of that that can look good and feel good and produce the kind of headline success the world likes to see, even though there are some, I think, awkward truths that accompany those kind of dynamics. But I think by and large, what I'm speaking to more than policy that almost supports the idea that governments should run everything, because I don't support that, I think I'm leading into a return to fundamentals situation, where it's like, can we sort of return to a situation where value is 
calculated and projected on the basis of like good old fashioned business, you know? And from that standpoint, perhaps the pressure shouldn't necessarily be on a venture or an industry to be able to yield a 10x return in a very short period of time, but perhaps higher than market average return over 15, 20, 30 years. And for me, it's like I'm seeing a lot of founders, investors, policymakers, even VCs rethink their thinking around these things as far as, you know, promoting the idea of innovation and how it needs to be engineered, financed, groomed on the basis of, hey, maybe there isn't just one way which involves billions of dollars upfront to sort of blitz scale a la Uber. Like maybe there are other ways to sort of grow out or scale innovation or scale economic progress that don't look or feel that way. And I think it's okay to contemplate policy decisions on the basis of that idea or to contemplate investment decisions on that idea, to curate your portfolio if you're an investor on the basis of that idea, to think about what you need to study or you know, to chart your career path if you're a young professional and aspire to a corporate career on the basis of those ideas. I think it's healthy. Yeah, I think the US is, is losing control of its narrative around the development model that it's, it's been pushing over, over the past few decades through the World Bank. Because when you look at somewhere like a Rwanda or a Singapore, uh, or especially a China, it's hard to argue against the success in lifting tens of millions of people out of poverty through their model. And, and their model is private sector with kind of the state hand guiding. And also the long play. So at everything you just said, you're right. Um, the a very heavy state hand, which again, I'll be very, very, very quick to, to point out that it's not without stuff that gets lost in that fire, that that dynamic exists and even, you know, results in progress of any kind. Things do get burnt and people get hurt and unfortunate things, you know, and things that we'd rather not see humanity succumb to occur whenever we see that dynamic prevail or fleshed out in any shape or form, however small, however well-meaning. But successful, as you point out, it is by pragmatic definitions. That's the one part. But I'll add to that this idea that nothing worth doing need happen overnight. If you have that thinking determining your decision to invest in a certain country or in a certain industry, your relationship building frameworks are totally different. To people who come in, they're promising what's possible if we just throw a ton of money at something and work as fast as we possibly can. There's something about that that most African markets, most industries within tech and innovation don't take to as readily within African contexts when that approach is, is met. And I think, to your point, America does miss a trick as far as that's concerned. Not everyone is as interested in this overnight success story that Silicon Valley often tries to sell or currently represents. I mean, the overnight success story is certainly a false narrative that things like Shark Tank kind of promote. Yep. People watch Shark Tank and they think that if you're raising money for your business, it's basically like a get in front of an investor and you give them the pitch. And it's either a yes or no, and then and then that's it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, I agree. I think a lot of what's happening in Africa, like there's, it's a much longer tail that it's going to require for these technologies to actually find their market opportunity, their market application. Mm. And it also requires the domestic markets to mature. Mm. We have this conversation a lot where the story of investment and what's needed in Africa is much bigger than tech. It's much bigger than, you know, industry 4.0. There's a lot of other things that 
industry 4.0 can certainly be a compliment to. And yet there's so much opportunity for what we in the West would probably consider just traditional business. Like return to fundamentals, dude, like like nothing wrong with farming, nothing wrong with figuring out manufacturing, like this whole leapfrogging fetish, like no, there's no amount of progress for the African continent or Africa rising that doesn't involve basic investment in infrastructure. And I suppose in observing the American state of things currently, take infrastructure, for example, and the brilliant job China has done in economic terms, right? I, I can't vouch for the, the social impact of China's investment in, in infrastructure. I mean, people could write essays about damage it's probably done for communities and things of that nature. That aside, the economic boost Having an infrastructure focus within China over the last sort of five to 10 years has had for the Chinese economy and the ticking time bomb, the lack of infrastructural investment in the US is having. I mean, I'm talking everything like roads, bridges, trains, you know, transport, ports, statewide logistics, you know, everything you guys have going as far as that's concerned. And there's no amount of leapfrogging that gets America outside of the pickle there and as far as the need to keep up the infrastructure they need to keep the U.S. economy thriving, at least, or, or get manufacturing back to where they, you know people would like to see it be and things of that nature. That has never been more true for Africa. What's frustrating for folks like us who live on the ground is there seems to be this false substitute narrative that people think can somehow replace the need for basic, fundamental, common sense, old school, you know, lay some tar down so that we can improve how quickly goods get from point A to point B. I mean, people keep talk about how Africa needs to trade more. Well, if you have the two largest cities in, in the DRC at taking Africa's largest country by landmass, as an example, arguably the richest landmass mineral-wise in terms of like its sort of farming potential and everything, you've got the two major cities in that Democratic Republic of the Congo that aren't even linked by a road that doesn't require four by four to cross. And you're talking about like the rest of the continent improving its trade. There's no leapfrogging for some of these things without like just a basic return to common sense fundamentals. And I'm not saying that that makes everything else a non-issue or that forget the fourth industrial revolution while we solve this. I'm not saying that. That's an extreme, obviously. But I am saying like it doesn't make sense to try and think about these things in isolation. Well, yeah. And, and honestly, couldn't think of a more perfect case study on on exactly that than Jumia. You have Rocket Internet who has seemingly unlimited money to burn come in and the biggest takeaway and lesson from Jumia is you can't have e-commerce without roads. Drones are great, you know, but yeah. roads are better. Somehow like we should be able to do with drones what the US couldn't do if they switched off the canal infrastructure to get goods from east coast to west coast. Like it just boggles me. Like it boggles my mind. And then you'll be in a conference and someone will accuse you of being sort of anti-progress because you're a panelist and everyone else is sort of pro what drones can do and you're like, "Nah, I, I refuse to be put in the in that box. It's oversimplification that's the enemy." You know? And I understand how these narratives make people a lot of money. It it certainly helps VC outfits like close their rounds of investments. They get in front of people that they have in their influencer groups and, and manage to close rounds of investments. You get like certain founders with the right profile who are able to attract the kind of resources to the African continent and to their ventures for telling stories of this nature. 
But in the long run, case in point, Jumia, which I'm happy to say you raised and I didn't, because <laughs> people always say I bring them up as, as this terrible poster child. I, I think it's perfect. It's an example of what happens when stories like that are allowed to exist without suitable sort of introspection. And then guess what? They make us all look bad and not just look bad. They're another hole in the boat of the African dream. But we're not even framing that African dream correctly and allowing other people who are incentivized perhaps inappropriately to frame that African dream and then also be the ones to, to inform the world that oh, I guess that dream doesn't exist when they fail at doing what we knew from the start wasn't viable or sensible. Maybe my frustration is coming across a little. It's just so annoying. That's why I keep saying... I'm really encouraged at the conversations I'm starting to see happen more frequently around a return to fundamentals. I'm seeing investors talk about it. I'm seeing founders get up in the morning realizing that it's not just enough to be able to tell a story that's good enough to ensure they get another round of investment. Do they have a business on their hands? Are they actually making money? Are they on their way? Do they have sustainability in sight at least? Or are they part of selling this unsustainable African dream? You know, I'm seeing policymakers also start to ask true questions about we don't want the dangers of fake money ruining the very little good that we're trying to build on post the colonial era. And if it wasn't for, you know, some sound policymaking decisions in South Africa, for example, 2008 would have been a much worse year in South Africa than it was. And, and relative to other markets that suffered, South Africa, because of certain policymaking decisions, macroeconomic decisions and and, and forward-thinking oversight of the financial services industry in that country, for example, we didn't see as drastic a bloodletting as, as we saw perhaps even in the U.S. So these are the kind of things or the kind of thinking that I'd like to see become an essential part of how the framing of our ecosystem is done, is done and its progress is gauged. Right. And I do want to tack on a yes and to the return to fundamentals because, like I was saying before, this Industry 4.0 all these high-tech solutions that can be applied to traditional problems, there can be high-in-the-sky ventures. Why can't we use modern-day technology, create new materials for roads that can be a scalable solution for cost-effective roads on the continent, right? And so there are high-in-the-sky kind of moonshot opportunities that with the right application, with the right partners, can produce solutions that can have a huge impact on those traditional problems. And one of my friends here that I had on, Jude Moore, who was former minister of public works in Liberia, now he's a think tanker in DC. He's very passionate about that concept of, of roads and road materials and what new technologies exist that didn't exist a decade or two decades ago that we can create cost-effective materials for roads. I think that it's going to take a new, a new way of thinking. Um, and I listened to that episode, by the way. I, I quite like his his take on things. I mean, that's an excellent example of how even a slightly more nuanced take on something as simple as roads can make such a huge difference. So I'll give you an example of if you compare the amount of PR certain governments in Africa went out looking for, you know, in praise of their efforts to to use drones to deliver plasma to remote parts of their countries, right? And you compare that with their rhetoric around something like roads and their need to innovate 
or bring on board certain technologies in order to more sustainably and more effectively deliver on sort of road infrastructure in their countries. Just do a quick Google search and see how much time and effort certain politicians and policymakers spend trying to get the world to celebrate how forward thinking they are before adopting drones relative to say the effort they put into sort of trying to groom innovation around, you know, the science and engineering to make roads better and last longer and cheaper to build. So therein lies, again, like the danger in not holding our policymakers to a much higher standard in how they frame the kind of innovation we want to see and, and, and what innovation should look like and what should land a big headline abroad. And to some extent, look, to be fair to them, they're also playing into a world abroad in Western media that only takes notice if something like a drone or something's in the whizzy world of what's currently cool in Silicon Valley. And to be fair to, to newsmakers abroad, I mean, they must do what they must do. But in Africa, like, what's our excuse? for allowing ourselves to adopt that as the standard for what we should be considering praiseworthy and worth writing about or even talking about. And I guess that's kind of why I'm into this podcasting space, because to be fair, there's some things that if it wasn't for this podcast, even I wouldn't be suitably acclimatized to or attuned to from from an oversimplification standpoint. But I think that's the challenge we all need to put to ourselves. Like, it's not it's not an excuse if we, we need to all go looking for the answers that aren't as obvious as, hey, you know, we have this new hub in the city and now we've got kids like coding. That might not necessarily pound for pound, dollar for dollar, make the most impact as far as opening up our markets to each other. Mm. Well, I think that's a fantastic way to end. I think we really, really got a good a good temperature check of the state of the ecosystem. So Adela Misiku, thank you so much for joining me. We need to be checking in with the ecosystem every now and then for sure. So, you know, I'll, I'll sure, I'm sure we'll be doing this maybe every other quarter or something like that. So we'll have to make sure. Dude, whenever you need me to be on, I mean, you are a brother from another mother. I mean, I think we started our podcast around about the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So I really do feel like we're in the trenches together on this one. And, and kudos to the work you're doing because, again, you know, we have a lot to learn from each other as, you know, the various global ecosystems as they sort of form regionally market specific ones. I mean, there's so much to learn from each other and your show's, you know, really helpful. You know, I could learn things from South America that would be totally applicable to this ecosystem. Uh, kudos to the work you do. Long story short, man. Thanks so much. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. Thanks everyone for tuning in.